Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. So here's a story of my NFL picks for this year thus far. We got off to a decent start in week one, and usually I would pick like five to seven games or something like that, like try to be selective about it so I could give myself a better chance. And after the first week, I'm I'm in decent shape. I, I definitely picked, you know, more winners than losers. And then two weeks in a row, uh, worst two weeks I think I may have ever had in doing something like this. It was embarrassing, shameful. I brought shame upon my ancestors. Um, Owen and, and six I, and one in Owen seven and one in six. Yeah, Owen seven and one in six in back to back weeks. So that dug me such a hole. The only way I I could ever foresee coming out of it is just pick every game every week so the first week I picked every game I went like nine and six or something nine and six every game last week what did I go around 500 I know there were some that were close you were you were six eight and one six eight and how did I get six six and wait hold on let me make sure your math is right here which games did I uh which games did I lose oh the Browns and the the Browns and the Chargers game that one that that Damn, six, eight, and one. All right. Well, it is what it is. Can't. I mean, in in a vacuum, that would mean nothing. I wouldn't care about that. But because I'm trying to play catch up here, <laughs> it's tough. Nevertheless, here are my NFL picks for Week Six. I did uh get lucky betting the Eagles the other night. Does that count? I guess I can't count that towards this. Uh, I'll start with the Jaguars plus three over the Dolphins. I hate this game. I don't know who to pick. I, I probably should have picked Miami, but I kind of feel like. This is if there was ever a time for Jacksonville finally to get a win, it would be this week. The Dolphins are in complete disarray. They've lost their I know Tua Tagovailoa is going to be back in there, but they've lost their last four games by like seventy something points. They lost to Buffalo thirty five to nothing. They lost an OT to the Raiders. Then they lost by ten to Indy, and then they got blown out by Tampa. Obviously, most of those are or all of those are better teams than the Jaguars. Uh, most of those significantly better teams than the Jaguars. Nevertheless. I, I don't think things are very good in Miami right now. And if there were going to be a game that the Jaguars win or at least keep very close uh, in London, bleh, what a what a great product sending over there. It, it's amazing how that tends to be like the worst games. I don't know how they, they figure that out every year, but they give London the worst games. Jaguars plus three over the Dolphins. I'll take the Chiefs minus six and a half over the Washington football team. Look, Kansas City has struggled. Their defense has been abysmal, no question. Patrick Mahomes looks human for, like, the first time in his career. At the same time, their offense is still statistically excellent. Uh, Washington is not good. If there was a get-right game 
that I ever saw, it would be this one. I like the Chiefs to beat Washington by at least a touchdown. I'll go with the Packers minus five and a half over the Bears. This is simply, you know, the when in doubt formula of picking the better team, you know, um, and uh, division games can get a little ugly. Bears had a pretty good week last week. They're down a couple running backs now. The Packers have been playing well ever since the, the first week of the season, really. So I will take Rodgers and the Packers over the Bears. The Rams, minus nine over the Giants. Nine's a lot, and I hesitated on this one. Nine is a lot. The Giants have played much better, but the Giants are banged up, too. Uh, obviously, you know, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, um, varying degrees of severity on uh, other players on the team. I mean, Daniel Jones will be playing on Sunday, so don't let me get get you confused. But he is banged up. Uh, that's just it's just tough. So I I got to go with the Rams over the Giants. I'll take the Chargers plus two and a half over the Ravens. Look, the the Ravens on a short week, a, a remarkable performance from Lamar Jackson, who's just been tremendous this year. I mean, Lamar Jackson's having a special kind of season, um, so I wouldn't put anything past what he's going to be capable of doing this year. But I, I just think, like I said, coming off that short week against a team in the Chargers who have been through it. I mean, the Chargers have played some real squads this year. You know, they they lost to the Cowboys by a field goal. They won in Kansas City. They beat the Browns. Last week, I, I think the Chargers are, are proving that they're good. And I think just overall, they're the better team. So I'll go with the Chargers plus two and a half over the Ravens. I'll take the Colts minus 10 over the Texans just because it's the Texans. I I don't know really what else to say. It's nothing special about the Colts, uh, obviously, who are, are just one and four uh, on the season. But the Texans are are a special kind of brutal at one and four themselves. I mean that's a big spread, uh, but I, I guess it exists for a reason. And you got me picking with the Colts, so I will take the Colts minus ten over the Texans. That's a big number. Mike, did I have that right? Let me just double check to make sure. Uh, yeah, minus ten. Uh, Bengals minus three and a half over the Lions. Um, this is another, you know, case of picking with the good teams and picking against the bad teams. Not to say that I'm not putting the the Bengals in that former category; they're fine. But I'd certainly put the Lions in the bad team category. Bengals just played a real tight one with the Packers last week. They got wins over the Steelers and and the Vikings. Uh, they did lose to the Bears, so you know their overall resume is okay, nothing great. But the Lions. Are, are a miserable team. I mean, Campbell said Drew Brees commended them for how much they're fighting. That's only the kind of thing that a coach says when you're losing every game. And the Lions have indeed done that. They've lost every game they've played thus far this season. So I can't really pick with them. I'll take the Panthers plus two and a half over the Vikings at home. Carolina getting points. Minnesota, you know, sneakily seems to get some love. From the odds makers, maybe um, they think they're better than they are, or their 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 record currently indicates. Um, but I, I'll just take Carolina at home in this one, getting the points. Given that the, the Panthers have been pretty solid 
this season. I mean, they, they have lost a couple of games uh, in a row, in fact. One to the Cowboys, no shame in that. The other one, you know, the Eagles are not great. They, they did drop that game to the Eagles. It was by far Sam Darnold's worst performance of the season. Uh, 21 of 37, 177 yards, one touchdown, three INTs. So maybe Darnold regressing a little bit back to kind of who we thought he was. But nevertheless, I'll take the, the Panthers getting the points at home. I'll go with the Cardinals plus three and a half over the Browns. I know the whole coaching staff, you know, or Kingsbury at least out uh, with COVID. He won't be there to coach the Cardinals. But, you know, at this point, the Cardinals are looking like contenders this year. Uh, they've won every game. There's no reason to pick against them, especially getting points. I know Cleveland's a good team, but getting points for an undefeated team that looks like a Super Bowl contender, it's hard for me to pass that. So I'll take the Cardinals plus 3.5 over the Browns. I'll take the Cowboys minus 3.5 over the Patriots. The Patriots are a, a mediocre team. The Cowboys are one of the best teams in football. I think you know the Cowboys have officially gone out and proven that, that they're legit, that there should be no questions about Dallas anymore. Uh, you know, their overall resume is strong. They have a win over the Chargers. They have that really tight loss to the Buccaneers, obviously. And, and then they've won every other game they've played, put a lot of points on the board in the process, 41, 36, 44 in the last three weeks. So I will take the Cowboys minus three and a half over the Patriots. I think you're just talking two teams of, of different caliber. And the Patriots seem to still be getting some almost residual respect love. I'll take the Raiders plus four over the Broncos. I have no idea how the Gruden situation will manifest itself uh, on the schedule. Raiders have dropped two in a row. You could see the, the season go south a little bit for them. But four points is is a decent amount to be getting against a team in Denver that has also lost two in a row. And, you know, maybe turning back into a bit of a pumpkin. So it's just a, a case of two teams that I think are probably around the same level, on the same tier at least, but the Raiders plus four. So I'll go with them. I'll take the Steelers minus five over the Seahawks. Um, Pittsburgh's quarterback situation is not great. You know, Ben Roethlisberger's still the guy, even though he certainly doesn't look like the guy anymore. But I, I probably have quoted this stat a million times every week I do this, but Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, right? And I, I just believe in that track record. And you also look at a Seattle team that is ridiculously beat up going into this game. Um, obviously, Russell Wilson is out. Carson is out. So it, it, the Steelers, you know, at home, I, I, I see them pulling out that game. Though credit to Geno Smith. The other the other night he looked pretty good, right? You know, that's a guy who uh, had a miserable tenure with the New York Jets early in his career. Then was the guy who came after Eli, like when Eli's benched and for the Giants, and sort of like had a bit of a joke of a career. But he's he's been a vet. He's been around the block now, um, and and looked like he improved during that that time period. Um, not enough for me to take the Seahawks over the Steelers, though. And finally, I will take the Bills. Minus five and a half over the Titans. The Bills have gotten to that level where I'm just picking them. Um, you know, they, they've been beating everybody they play, and they've been beating everybody they play soundly. So, it, you know, if someone were to say the Buffalo Bills 
are the best team in the NFL, it's not exactly a statement it's easy to argue with. Or easy to argue against, yes. Uh, you can't argue with that statement. I mean, you could say, eh, maybe it's this team. But no one could say with you know some definitive nature, no, the Bills are not the best team in the NFL. They're right there if they're not the best team in the NFL. Right now, they look like the best team in the NFL to me. And those are my picks for week six of this NFL season. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. We'll get a little bit deeper into football in just a couple of minutes so far on the show. I mean, uh, we've talked about <laughs> the John Gruden situation and the fallout and even the, the jump some people have made to the halftime show. Spent a little time on, on Kyrie Irving uh, and his situation. I think the Nets did what they had to do. And I started the show talking about the Houston Astros and they had the win last night in case you're just waking up and you didn't want to sit through a a baseball game that went forever because that was I think it was the third inning like it was like 10 o'clock it was still in the third inning of that game so I don't know even what time that game actually ended when Correa was the difference for the Astros Altuve and Correa both hitting home runs two of those guys the most home runs ever by a pair of infield teammates uh, in the playoffs. So the the Astros, though, my point was that they are remembered for the cheating and they're identified by the cheating. And that's fair, right? Like it's fair to always remember that cheating incident. They did it. I'm not defending it. But what I think the Astros have proven now is that they weren't a product of that cheating, that the Astros are an excellent baseball team. I mean, there's no way of arguing that. They just are an excellent baseball team. Five straight league championship series. Five straight. And, you know, other teams in other sports that have had a scandal are not solely defined by the scandal. I was just talking about the Patriots. The Patriots, when they played the Buccaneers and Brady was reuniting with Belichick, I didn't hear anyone talk about Spygate or Deflategate. And then when you look at baseball history, there is just a litany of cheating incidents that go back to the beginning of the sport. And sign-stealing scandals, you know, using technology in the, the early 1900s. The shot heard around the world was a sign-stealing scandal, or part of a sign-stealing scandal. You know, obviously there's steroids, obviously sticky stuff, cork bats, all sorts of cheating. So when you take the long and storied history of cheating in baseball, when you take the fact that other teams in other sports that have had cheating scandals aren't solely identified by it, and you take the fact that the Astros just keep winning and winning and winning and competing for the World Series every single year, I don't think you can make the case anymore that they are some product of cheating. You could say they were cheaters, they are cheaters, whatever, however you want to phrase it, but I don't think you could say they are a product of the cheating because the Astros are clearly an awesome baseball team. And that was a, a point I made this week, and seemed to really resonate in the Houston area because I guess they're just tired of hearing for the last several years trash can jokes and, and the booing and hissing of the Houston Astros, who clearly are, like I said, an excellent baseball team. I don't think one can argue that point. 855-212-4227 if you want to weigh in. Coming up next, like I said, we'll get deeper into this week in the NFL action, all the storylines, all the games, as you get ready for yet another football Sunday. It's the Robin Lundberg Show, and it's here with you on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Robin Lundberg Show. 
It is the Robin Lundberg Show, and it is a weekend, and it is fall, still October, which means, oh, by the way, all the sports are about to kick into full gear, so things are about to get crazy. But as far as uh, the NFL season goes, that is always king. So always talking a little NFL Sunday on a Saturday morning, um, and that's hardly something you have to force into the content plan. One game in the week's. In the book so far this week, of course, Tampa winning over Philly. And a strange, uh, a bad beat for Buccaneers betters if you had Tampa in that one. But another full slate of NFL games. We're going to get a little bit more in-depth into those in just a second. 855-212-4227 is the phone number if you want to weigh in. That's 855-212-4227. At Robin Lundberg on Twitter. That's R-O-B-I-N-L-U-N-D. B-E-R-G. I'm interested to see how the Chiefs do this week. I think this is a get-right game for them against Washington because I think you know that's the, the kind of game where everybody's sort of down on the Chiefs. Everybody's talked about how bad their defense is and Patrick Mahomes finally looking like you know he's not far and away better than, than everybody else at the quarterback position. Um, and they, they get a team in Washington that's really just not that good uh, and could get right against them. And, and win that game probably going away handily. Because the, the Chiefs, if you look at some of the, the numbers, they've actually had a very good offense. And it's predictive that that offense will continue to to put points on the board, continue to be good. The, the defense obviously has work to do because I think teams on a per-play basis, every team that's playing against Kansas City is moving the ball like the best offense of all time at the same rate as the best offense of all time. So that's a bit of an issue for the the, the Chiefs. <laughs> but Washington's not exactly the kind of team that's going to punish that. Not exactly the kind of team that's going to make you pay uh, in, in that regard. So I, I think this is a, a good week for the Chiefs to get healthy and to get right. I'm joined now to discuss uh, that and more by Ross Tucker, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and Ross, uh, do you agree with that assessment that this could be a, the kind of week for the, the Chiefs to get right? Because there's been a lot of you know talk about uh, panic with, with Kansas City, but I see Washington on their schedule, and, and, and I see an opportunity for them. Of course, man. Uh, I mean, I'm totally with you, Robin. I've been listening on uh, Channel 206 on Sirius, loving the show. Thank and you. i got to tell you, man, like this is absolutely a get-right game for the Chiefs. In fact... You know, I, I did a, uh, a two-team teaser for people that are in uh, sports betting with the Bucks and the Chiefs this week on the Even Money podcast. Mm-hmm. There's just no chance the Chiefs are losing this game. I mean, there's, there, you know, Washington might be able to keep it close. The Chiefs' defense has been extremely disappointing. Heineke has a little bit of that gunslinger to him. But I would be absolutely shocked. Can you imagine – the conversations we'll be having next week if the Chiefs are 2-4 and four, coming off a loss to the Washington football team? Yeah, I mean, if they lose that game, I'm starting to believe they're not making the playoffs, right? Like, it, that it's a real, like, problematic situation and, and not a, a, a hiccup for them where they go from this, like, sort of juggernaut to one of the good teams rather than from, you know, this sort of juggernaut to out of the playoffs. And that, that's where I, I would start to put them 
if they lost this game for sure. Now, if you, you go into the year and you look at Kansas City and you look at Tampa, and I think most people had those two teams penciled in as the best. But right now, who would you say is the, the best team in the NFL? Is it the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I, w- I would say that. Now, I- I'm very curious to see how Arizona plays against Cleveland tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now, in fairness, they got a lot going, right? I mean, Kingsbury now test positive for COVID, so he won't be there. They're missing their center, Rodney Hudson. But I, I am curious to see the maturity of the Cardinals. You know, if the Cardinals win in Cleveland with everything else going on, and I got to give them major props. I mean, they already deserve a lot of props, but then I would say the Cardinals are the best team in the NFL because that would be an extremely impressive win to me, almost like when they won at L.A. a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I don't envision that happening. I think the Browns win that game. I think the Buffalo Bills are the best team. You know, they have the most points scored and the fewest points allowed. And I know there's advanced metrics. I know there's other stuff, Rob. That's a pretty good place to start, right? Like they scored more points than anybody else, and they've given up less. It's kind of hard to make an argument against them right now. When it comes to basic metrics, they're doing very well. <laughs> Robin Ludberg talking to Ross Tucker, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast here on CBS Sports Radio. Another, you know, there's a lot of intriguing games on the. Uh, you know, when you remove like all the drama that's gone on this week, obviously um, in the NFL, just like the the pure matchup standpoint, um, how about the the Chargers and, and the Ravens? Because what a showdown between quarterbacks, Justin Herbert and what he's doing in his second year, and, and Lamar Jackson. For any of the criticism he's received, he's having like a, a special kind of season right now. Well, you know, it's interesting because for a long time, I have said that I just don't know if Lamar Jackson. And, and the Ravens' entire passing game, not just Lamar, but I didn't know if they're good enough to, you know, convert enough third downs in three straight playoff games to, to go to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, we all know they can run it well. We all know they can make some plays in the passing game. But when it comes to the playoffs, you know, they're going to go against good teams, and they're going to be in a lot of third and mediums, third and longs and they're going to have to do straight drop-back pass and complete it. Well, Robin, they're proving on a weekly basis they can. I mean, Monday night was crazy. Lamar Jackson's stats in a straight drop-back passing were incredible, and I'm very surprised because all the receivers were hurt during training camp. Lamar missed 10 days with COVID. They didn't really have a lot of time to work on it, to improve during training camp, and yet here they are. The passing game is by far the best it's been since Lamar's been there. Yeah, no, no question about that. Speaking of a good passing game, Dallas Cowboys, they're in New England. How good are the Cowboys, you know, for having seen what you've seen thus far this year? Very good. Um, you know, coming into the year, there were a lot of question marks about them, right? Um, how would Dak come back from the injury? Was Amari Cooper okay? You know, could Zeke bounce back from a, a down year? What about Tyron Smith and Zach Martin on their injuries? Could the defense be even decent? I can't remember the last time a team had that many questions coming into a season, and they've all kind of been answered in the affirmative. I, I mean, they've all been answered positively. All the guys I mentioned are back and playing well. 
And then the thing that really surprises me is how much better their defense is, and it's because Trayvon Diggs has made a huge leap from year one to year two, and then they have two of the best rookies in the NFL. Uh, Micah Parsons is an absolute star already. And then Odigizua, people don't talk about him enough. He's played awesome, too. So Dan Quinn's come in, changed the defense, but they also have three almost new guys, or at least guys that are significant upgrades over what they had last year. They're just so much faster. Now, I, I know, Ross, you want to talk about my, my frontpagestory.com. We'll get to that in, in just a second. Just one more on-the-field on question for you real quick. The, the Seattle Seahawks, is their season over? Now that you know Russell Wilson's put on IR, Carson out, the, the division they play in, are, are you, do you put them out of contention? Yeah, how about this? Not only do I think their season is over, I think there's a decent chance Russell Wilson's tenure in Seattle is over because I'm just not convinced that if he's supposed to come back six to eight weeks from now and the Seahawks are out of it in the NFC West, I don't know if he'll definitely come back because I think he feels like they've kind of wasted his prime a little bit anyway. So his tenure might be over. And then the other thing is, I'm sure, I, I, let's put it this way. Here's how I'll phrase it. I think a lot start to be asked about Pete Carroll the rest of this season because I think people are going to realize how much of their success was really Russell Wilson magic. And with Russell Wilson gone and Russell Wilson apparently wanting to leave, I think there might start to be a lot of questions about how good of a pro coach Pete Carroll really is. Now, all that would definitely be a front-page story, but I know uh, myfrontpagestory.com is something you're passionate about, and, and that's a, a way that you know um, you can get your own story uh, on a front page, if you will. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, a buddy of mine started the business, but it is legitimately the coolest, most unique gift I've ever seen. And, and now, now that I'm part of it, I've seen a bunch of people actually get these, and they send videos. And it's really cool, man. Like, the women are crying when they get it because all you have to do is talk to a writer for 10 minutes. They write the most unbelievable story about your wife or your mom or whoever, holidays, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, birthday, anniversary. And just being able to say, hey, I had a story written about you is, like, the coolest thing you can say to somebody. And then when they actually read it and they see the quotes, it's just really impactful. It's really emotional. I don't know if it's Dan Campbell emotional but it's very emotional. Myfrontpagestory.com. Well, it's not the kind of thing you bite kneecaps over, but it, it might be the, the, the kind of thing, you, you know, you, you see some tears <laughs> in the good way. Yeah, you, know what's funny about it? you know what's crazy about it, Robin? Like, uh -huh. did you know October is the number one wedding month in the United States? So that means a lot of people have anniversaries right now. So it's a great anniversary gift. But I got to be honest with you. Who are these people that get married in October? Like, I feel like that's crazy inconsiderate to your guests. Uh, I mean, it's usually on a Saturday, college uh, football. Like, what are you doing? Get married in May or June, yeah. not October.
Well, I, I guess, yeah, when the, they're not thinking about sports fans when, when they're coming up with, with those plans. But nevertheless, uh, if you, you want to uh, gift somebody something for those anniversaries for those October weddings, you can go to MyFrontPageStory.com. And if you want to hear some good NFL analysis, you can go to Ross Tucker. He's got the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Of course, you hear him all over the place talking NFL on games as well. Ross, appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy the games tomorrow. Thanks, Robin. Take care, buddy. You're listening to The Robin Lundberg Show. It is The Robin Lundberg Show, and it is here on CBS Sports Radio, as you just heard me mention in a redundant fashion, because homeboy with the cool voice (laughs) just said it prior. It's always funny to me. You know, you just get conditioned to say stuff like that when you come back, but he did just say it. I I didn't have to repeat uh, myself. Coming up in a second, I will not repeat myself because I'll cover all the topics I have not covered as of yet in another one. If you want to weigh in before I get out of here for the weekend, 855-212-4227. That is 855-212-4227. Or, as always, at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. Talked about the the Astros and them not being a product of cheating. Talked about the fallout from the John Gruden situation and – how I don't see it relating to the Super Bowl halftime show, though some other people have made that connection. That was an interesting conversation. Talked about Kyrie Irving and his situation. And then, of course, also previewed week six of the NFL season. Let's go to Michael in California. Michael, you're up on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's up? Oh, how you doing? I just wanted to weigh in on Kyrie Irving. It's like you kind of like – you kind of – Mentioned what I was going to say a little uh, a little earlier about narcissism. Okay. Hello. Yeah, I'm listening well, uh, to you. Go yeah. Maybe I could recruit you to help me clean it up because I don't like to attack nobody personally. I'm just trying to use something to so it could make sense. But I think Kyrie Irving, I agree with you. You just said it. He don't care about the COVID nineteen. I think he saw an opportunity where he could get attention. And pretty much that's what he's doing. I can't prove it, but I kind of got the feeling that's kind of like what's going on. And uh, it's happening across different occupations. But I'm only using these as examples, right? Because I really believe the former president was a narcissist. And that's why he was carrying on like that when he realized he wasn't about to win the presidency. So, I mean, it's an off example, but... I think that's what's really going on with Kyrie. It doesn't mean he's a bad person or to, you know, treat him different from anybody else. But I think his whole thing is attention. He don't care about the uh, COVID-19. Yeah, I know I know why you would say that. Like, and I understand why you would say that, right? Because I brought it up before. And, and it just always seems – I would just explain it as it always seems to be something with Kyrie. It's always something. And I appreciate the call. And I'm with you on the fact that, like, to me, it's not so much about the vaccine. Look, if, if he doesn't want to put something in his body, he doesn't have to put it in his body. I would, I would fight for that right. I would defend that right. That That's up to you. That is ultimately your choice. But there are consequences with choices as well. There's professional consequences for him. And and I just don't see what his cause is or what his end game is. You know, he is he against vaccine mandates as a whole? Because he didn't, you know, he didn't say I'm standing up against vaccine mandates. Would he be playing if he had gotten an exemption? Because he seemed to make it pretty clear he'd be playing if he got an exemption. Is he just doing this because people said he should take this and he doesn't want to take it because people are telling him to do it? I have no idea 
what Kyrie's point is, what his stance is, what his cause is, and I don't think he has one, personally. I don't think he has one. All right, time to get to all the topics I have not covered as of yet in another one. All right, Anthony, what's up first, man? All righty. So Browns beat reporter Mary K. Cabot of Cleveland.com this week became the latest person to suggest that the club looked to deal Odell Beckham Jr. to a buyer before the November 2nd NFL trade deadline. So in his three games this season, Beckham has nine catches for 124 yards and no touchdowns, and Baker Mayfield targeted him only three times in last Sunday's 47-42 loss to the Chargers that dropped Cleveland to 3-2, and two, again ahead of their matchup against the undefeated Cardinals. So will Beckham reclaim his Pro Bowl form in Cleveland, or would both sides be better off moving on from one another? Well, the answer to the first question is definitely no, and the answer to the second question I think is definitely yes. Uh, Odell Beckham, it's hard to imagine, I don't want to say fall from grace because nothing terrible has happened, but uh, fall off that that he has had thus far in his career because he makes that catch which is still the best catch I've ever seen anybody make and you look at the the stats he was able to put up with the Giants 1300 yards 12 touchdowns 1400 something yards 13 touchdowns 1367 10 touchdowns those were his first three years in the NFL he hasn't sniffed 10 touchdowns since and there's been one two three four this is the fifth season since then he got to a thousand yards a couple of times just barely but never in the realm of touchdowns at least 300 yards in receiving behind his totals, his low total in the giant with the Giants since those those first three years in, in the league, and obviously it's just not a fit with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. I don't think Odo Beckham will ever regain the form he had at the beginning of his career period, but I certainly don't think it will happen in Cleveland as we've already seen because there's just something not right with that connection and that fit. What's next? The Washington football team announced this week that they will retire the late Sean Taylor's number 21 jersey, making him only the third player in franchise history to receive such an honor. Taylor's jersey number will be retired during a ceremony before Sunday's home game against the Chiefs. Now, many fans and former players, they spoke out against the three-day notice, and some are saying it's just a PR stunt because of the email scandal that's been going on for the past couple weeks. So do you have a problem with the timing of the Washington football team's decision to retire Sean Taylor's number 21? No, uh, I don't. I It seemed like an overreaction for people to me. Now, if, if there are those who really wanted more lead time so they could be there, I get their frustration with that. I get that the timing looks bad with the Washington football team announcement. But I thought Jason Wright, the team president handled it well. He came out afterwards. He apologized uh, for the notice that they had miscalculated, they, that they didn't, you know, that they thought it would be the best way to honor him. They ha- have created a, a, a charitable cause around it as a result. So he came out. He owned it. He apologized for it. He offered some possible solutions. And Sean Taylor is still being honored by, by the team. So I can understand some people not loving the way it went down or questioning the timing. But if I'm being fair, I, I you know when somebody makes a mistake or a perceived mistake, 
and they own it the way that, that Jason Wright did, I, I tend to believe him, and, and I, I, I don't um, think there's any better way for him to handle it. And, and I also don't think it was the worst you know, blunder in the history of blunders. They're, they're still honoring the guy. Um, so I, I, I didn't quite see that controversy uh, the same way that others did. What's next? So despite the high expectations and having the second-highest payroll in baseball in 2021, the Yankees uh, couldn't make it out of the wild-card round, and they haven't won a World Series since 2009. Despite that, manager Aaron Boone could be returning to the club next season, according to Buster Only of ESPN. The senior writer said that uh, Yankees owner Hal Steinbrenner likes Boone, and I don't think he blames him for what happened, a source told Only. So should the Yankees keep or move on from Aaron Boone? You know, this is it's always so easy to say you move on and, and I get why Yankees fans feel that. But you know, the Yankees have the standard of good is not good enough. I think he's won ninety eight games a year in his tenure as manager. I know the expectations were World Series. I know it's disappointing to to lose to the Red Sox. And I don't I wouldn't have a problem. If they went to another manager, but look, if they're not going to go to another general manager, then there's no point in going to another manager. I mean, Boone was sort of handpicked by Brian Cashman. Whoever would be next would be handpicked by Brian Cashman if he remains in that job. And it's not as if the Yankees had some sort of disastrous season. It's only spun that way because of the expectations for the Yankees. You know, they had a they were 22 games over 500, I believe, if memory serves me correctly. So I don't think it's some sort of egregious move if Aaron Boone returns as manager. Because you also, like when you say somebody's got to go, you have to have the solution of who's coming in. What's next? All right, and finally, we got DC FanDome today. So uh, for those that don't know, it's a digital event, uh, which we're brought up to date with the movies and the comics, TV shows, video games from the world of DC. We know we're getting a new Batman trailer today. We're going to get a, f- a first look at the Flash Black Adam, there's always surprises as well. So I was going to ask you, what would be like your dream announcement today? Like, is there a property of DC or a character that you would be really pumped up if they announced would be coming to a movie or TV screen near you in the future? Uh, How about uh, DC versus Marvel? DC versus Marvel. <laughs> yeah, well, we, I, I could guarantee that's definitely not happening this time around. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say uh, because of the debacle from the 2011 film, I think enough time has passed by where I, I think it's time to go back, revisit, reintroduce uh, the Green Lantern, uh, who's a great uh, hero in the DC universe. So I would I would be pleasantly surprised that they made an announcement that we were going to be seeing a uh, Green Lantern movie in the future. And also, uh, I'm a, I really like Henry Cavill as Superman. I think he's great. And I, I enjoyed uh, his first film, the Man of Steel movie. So I've been waiting for a sequel to that for a long time. Um, so I would be pleasantly surprised if they would make an announcement that we were getting a Man of Steel part two with Henry I agree, Cavill. I agree with you. That was the best of those movies. Uh, uh, that and the the first Wonder Woman was better than uh, most of the rest of the other main characters, right? Because uh, Batman versus Superman, I I very very much disliked. Uh, Justice League, same thing. Um, the Flash hasn't had a solo movie yet, has he? I mean, no, yeah. that's coming next year, next November, twenty twenty two. 
Oh, there you go. So they can't announce that today if it was already announced. Yeah, but we're actually going to be seeing some footage today of that. So maybe we'll see. Uh, we know Michael Keaton is in, in as Batman. Ben Affleck is coming in it as Batman as well. So maybe we'll see those two in the uh, the footage we get today. It's not because of bias or any tribal allegiance. I, I don't work that way. I just always was more of a Marvel fan, more genuine of a fan of their characters, and I always thought their characters were better. You know, and I always thought the, the DC characters were a little bit uh, – what's a nice way to put this? Lamer? <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, obviously they got another Batman movie coming out, and, and, I, and I root for success for all that stuff. So um, we'll see what they, they've got to offer. But they got a lot of catching up to do. If they they want to be looked at on the same tier as Marvel, at least when it comes to the film industry. It's been the Robert Lundberg Show. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 